speak a word that calms the wind and the waves. We're gonna see the troubles come alive. We're gonna see the place where fire falls. Oh, Holy Spirit tearing down these walls by the power of the resurrected Christ. King of heaven, come and fill this place with your presence. Let our hearts awake, we are desperate for your kingdom. Come, breathe revival, let the darkness run. King of heaven, come and fill this place with your presence. Let our hearts awake, we are desperate for your kingdom. Come, Breathe revival, let the darkness run. Oh, yeah. Oh, the king has come, the king has come with wild love, wild love to. place with your presence let our hearts awake we are desperate for your kingdom come breathe revival let the darkness oh, this morning. king of heaven come and fill this place with your presence let our hearts awake we are desperate for your kingdom come Breathe revival, let the darkness run. Of heaven, come and fill this place with your presence. Let our hearts awake, we are desperate 
for your kingdom come breathe revival let the darkness run oh lord you're the king of heaven king of the universe Come and fill this place. Come and fill this place. Come and fill this place, Father. We welcome your presence in this place. We make a place of praise for you, God. We make a throne room for you, Father, with our praise. We make a throne room with our praise for you, Father. Come inhabit the praises of your people. Come inhabit the praises of your people. Come inhabit the praises of your people, Lord. Oh, oh, oh. I'm calling on the God of Jacob Whose love endures through generations I know that you will keep your covenant I'm calling on the God of Moses the one who opened up the oceans I need you now to do the same thing for me oh let's sing it again calling I'm calling on the God of Jacob whose love endures through generations I know that you will keep your covenant I'm calling on the God of Moses the one who opened up the oceans I need you now to do the same thing for me Oh God, my God, I need you Oh God, my God, I need you now how I need you now Oh rock, oh rock of ages I'm standing on your faithfulness Your faithfulness Oh God, my God, I need you Oh God, my God, I need you I'm standing on your faithfulness For oh, your faithfulness I'm calling on the God of Mary Whose favor rests upon the lowly I know with you all things are past 
impossible I'm calling on the God of David Who made a shepherd boy courageous I may not face Goliath But I've got my own giants Oh God, my God, I need you Oh God, my God, I need you now How I need you of ages I'm standing on your faithfulness on your faithfulness oh God my God I need you oh God my God I need you now how I need you of ages I'm standing on your faithfulness your faithfulness Father thank you for your faithfulness thank you for your faithfulness God oh you never leave us nor forsake us I thank you for your faithfulness I thank you for your faithfulness. Even when I'm not faithful, Father, you're faithful. You keep your word, Lord. You heard your children then. You hear your children now. You are the same God. You are the same God. You answered prayers back then, and you will answer now. You are the same God. You are the same oh, God. You were providing then. You are providing now. You are the same God. You are the same God. You moved in power then, God move in power now. You are the same God, you are the same God. You are a healer then, you are a healer now. You are the same God, you are the same God. Savior then you are a Savior now you are the same God you are the same God oh God my God I need you oh God my God I need you now how I need you I'm standing on your faithfulness Your faithfulness Oh, 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 oh your faithfulness Oh, oh, oh. You 
freed the captives then you freeing hearts right now you are the same god you are the same god you touched the lepers then i feel your touch right now you are the same god you are the same god you free you free the captives then you're freeing hearts right now you are the same god you are the same god you touch the lepers then i feel your touch right now you are the same god you are the same god oh god my god i need you oh god my god i need you now how i need you rock of ages I'm standing on your faithfulness your faithfulness I'm calling on the Holy Spirit Almighty River come and fill me up again I'm calling on the Holy Spirit Almighty River come and fill me again I'm calling on the Holy Spirit Almighty River Fill me up again and fill me up again Come and fill me up again Can you make that your prayer this morning? Come and fill me up again Oh, come and fill us, Lord Come and fill me up again. God, fill this place up. Come and fill me up again. We're calling on you, Lord. Come and fill me up again. Father, you're faithful. You're faithful, Father. I love you, Lord, and your mercy never fails me all my days. I've been held in your hands the moment that I wake up until I lay my head. Oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. I love you, Lord. Amen. I love you, Lord. 
Oh, your mercy never fails me all my days. I've been held in your hands the moment that I wake up until I lay my head. Oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. Cause all my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able. Oh, I will sing to the goodness of God. I love your voice. Cause you have led me through the fire, darkest nights. You are close like no other. I've known you as a father known you as a friend oh i have lived in the goodness of god all my life because all my life you have been faithful all my life all my life you have been so so with every breath that I am able, oh, I will sing of the goodness of all my life you have been, yet. Yeah. Cause all my life you have been faithful. All my life, all my life you have been so, so with every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness of God. Your goodness. Because your goodness is running after, running after me. Your goodness is running after, running after me. Oh, your goodness is, your goodness is running after, running after me. Your goodness is running after, running after me. Cause your goodness is running after, running after me. Your goodness is running after, running after me. Cause with my life laid down, I surrender now. I give you everything. Your goodness is running after, running after me all my life cause all my life you have been faithful and all my life you have been so so good with 
every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness of God. All my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good With every breath that I am able I will sing of the goodness of God Oh, I will sing of the goodness of God I will sing of the goodness of God. Oh, Because yeah. oh, yeah. his name is Jesus. Ruler of everything His name is Jesus Ruler of everything His name is Jesus Ruler of everything Can you say that this morning? His name is Jesus Ruler of everything his name is Jesus, ruler of everything. His name is Jesus, ruler of everything. His name is Jesus, ruler of everything. His name is Jesus. Ruler of everything And he reigns, he reigns, he reigns forever He reigns, he reigns, he reigns forever He reigns, he reigns, he reigns he reigns, he reigns, he reigns forever. Oh, he reigns, he reigns, he reigns forever. Sing it again. He reigns, he reigns, he reigns forever. Because his name is Jesus, ruler of everything. His name is Jesus, ruler of everything. His name is Jesus, ruler of everything. Oh, the ruler. And his name is Jesus, ruler of everything. And he He 
name is Jesus, ruler of everything. Oh, yeah. His name is Jesus, ruler of everything. His name is Jesus, ruler of everything. There is no one above you, Lord. His name is Jesus. Ruler of everything. Oh, you're the name above all names. This is Jesus. Ruler of everything. Oh, how great my God is. His name is Jesus. Ruler of everything. There's no one like you, Lord. His name is Jesus. Ruler of everything. How great, how great 
is our God. Oh, come on. He's a name above every name. He's a name above all names. He is worthy of all praise. Oh, my heart will sing how great is our God. He's a name. He's a name above all names. He's a name above how great our God is. Come on. How great is our God. Come on, church. Sing with me. How great is our God. And all will see how great, how great is our God. Oh, come on, everybody. Oh, how great is our God. Sing with me. How great is our God. Oh, we'll see how great, how great is our God. He's the name above all names. He's the name above all names. He is worthy of all praise. And my heart will sing how great is our God. Voices, just the voices. Come on, church. Let's lift up our praise in this morning. How great is our God? Sing with me. How great is our God? And all will see how great, how great is our God.
Oh, God. 
Sing with me how great is our God. And all will see how great, how great is our God. He's the name above all names. transition into prayer and we're going to pray that God would restore families that God would restore families and he would do a work to unify families to bring back the family unit and to bring that to the forefront we're also going to pray that God would send a spiritual revival to awaken the churches that God would pour out his spirit in a way that it would draw men and women to him and then lastly that lost souls would come into the church that God would pour out his spirit in such a way that it changes the moral climate of an entire region that it pushes back the hands of principalities and God's glory is exposed and people's lives are changed and families are brought together amen can you stand with me in prayer this morning let's pray church this is our chance to intercede and to and to see God do a powerful work God we come before you this morning and we pray 
Lord, there are families that are broken. There are families that are ravaged by addiction, God. And we pray that you restore the family unit. God, we pray that you make the fathers rise up. God, we pray that you would help them to be the head of the household, oh God. Father, we pray that you restore families. God, we pray right now, we declare that generational curses are broken off of families. That generational curses are broken. That God, yes. you would give us the grace. You would give us the grace to see the patterns. And you would give us the grace to step out of those curses. To step out of those destructive patterns. Give us the grace to walk in freedom in the family unit, God. Lord, that we would do things differently. Do things differently, not just because my grandfather and my father did it this way, but I'm taking yes. a stand for righteousness. I'm taking a stand for morality. Yes. I'm taking a stand for Jesus. And we're going to do things the right way and we're going to honor him. Yes, Lord. Father, we ask that you would pour out revival. Revive the church. Awaken the church, oh God. Awaken the church in a way that it changes the moral climate of a region, God. We pray that, Lord, you would send your power, Lord, to fill us with the Holy Ghost. Baptize us with the Holy Spirit and power. Baptize us with the evidence of speaking in tongues, God. I pray that, Lord, your power would be poured out in a way, Lord, that the lost would be drawn to you, oh God. That the sleeping church would awake. God, the sleeping bride would awake. God, God, revive the church. God, clean the church up where she doesn't look like the world anymore. God, clean your bride up where she doesn't look like the world, but she walks in holiness. She walks in righteousness. She walks in power, God. She walks in displays of power. That the sick are healed, that the dead are raised, that lives are changed and they're restored by the power of Jesus. God, give us new creative ways to reach the lost. God, thank you for the outreach that we had yesterday. But God, give us more. Give us more. Give us a hunger and a burden. Lord, just like St. Patrick who woke up in the middle of the night and he had dreams about the lost. He heard the sounds of them screaming, God. The sounds of hell, of people that are lost and dying. God, wake us up in the night. God, burden us for the lost. Burden us for those who are far from you, oh God. Jesus. God, burden us for the lost. I was reading in 1 Timothy chapter 2 this morning. It says that if we die with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. And if we disown him, he will also endure us. The word die and the word endure stood out to me. Because, you know, so often we go through Christianity and we think that we're going to be entered into heaven by our accomplishments but listen Jesus everybody look this way Jesus is going to say two things either enter in thy good and faithful servant or depart from me because I never knew you we're not going to be judged based on our accomplishments we're going to be judged whether or not we endured with Christ and we died with him and that's the reality man we are going to be entering thy 
good and faithful servant or depart from me because I never knew you. So it's about endurance and intimacy, friend. It's about endurance and intimacy, friend. And that's what we're going to be judged upon. Because listen, he's going to set fire to everything else. And it's going to be burned up. And it will show for what it's worth. Our accomplishments will not be what gets us into heaven. But it's our endurance. So I just want to speak to you real quickly. If you are... If you are walking through it, I just want to be encouraged. Be encouraged and stand in endurance and walk in endurance this morning. Amen? Amen. Hey, welcome to Life Church. Why don't you tell somebody hello? Greet them this morning. Turn to somebody and tell them hello. Give them a high five. Hug their neck. COVID's over. We can hug now. Glory to God. want to welcome everybody watching by live stream. We're so glad you joined us this morning on the worldwide internet. We're glad you chose to be with us at Life Church as an extension of our family. We're so glad you chose to be with us. And everybody who is in the house this morning, I want to say welcome to you. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We're so glad you're with us this morning. If this is your first time with us, my name is Josh. I'm one of the pastors here on staff, and I want to welcome you to service. And if this is your first time with us, we want to connect with you. We've got a fancy way of connecting around here. You can text the word welcome to the number 337-317-4123. Text the word welcome to the number 317-4123. And then you're going to be texted a link with a connect card, a virtual connect card. You fill that out. We'll have your information. And then you can visit the Welcome Center in the lobby to get a free gift. We want to connect with you because we want to help you find your place in the kingdom of God and your special fit in our family. Because listen, our heart here is to make disciples, is to raise people up to help them step into the destiny that God has called them to be. Also, for our regular attendees, you can text the word connect to the same number we want to connect with you also we want to build our database to where we can keep you up to date to the things that are going on here at life church whether it be events whether it be certain situations whatever it may be we want to keep you up to date so you can text the word connect to that same number 3174123 and you'll be sent a link as well you can fill that out it's important that you click that link and fill it out because so we can have your information so we can know who we're talking to who we're communicating with and then also we want to be praying for you you can text the word prayer and you'll get an automated response with a link and you can fill out a prayer because listen prayer is our dna at life church Listen, I'm serious. It drives everything that we do. We see God doing a mighty, mighty work because of prayer. We made the decision to change the majority of the, the services and the way we do things, and, and God has responded positively. Listen, the entirety of heaven has its ear turned towards us. I believe that, and God hears us when we pray, and he moves on our behalf, and he does powerful things. So we want to be praying for you. Text the word pray to 317-4123, and we'll be standing with you. We'll be believing God to do powerful things in your life. Hey, at this time, this morning, Pastor Tiger is coming to the uh, platform. He's going to share with us and give us an update on the outreach that we had yesterday. So y'all saw the hesitation, so I'm just going to blow the lid off it. So my, my given government name is Murray. Pastor Josh thinks that's funny, so he was about to, yeah. So 
But welcome to Life Church. I want to share with you guys real quick what, what we encountered yesterday. But also, when we were worshiping, man, I, there was a peak where just heaven was in the room. And the Lord showed me a picture. You ever seen a field that uh, a huge bulldozer has, has been through in those tracks? I've seen these tracks. And I'm looking at it. And I said, Lord, what is that? He said, you are standing in the middle of a plowed field. Because I was experiencing heaven. And I want you to know, if you're a visitor, even if you're not, this is a house that prays. I anticipate God moving in our services because we plow the field in prayer. And next week, I want to be standing in the middle of a, pl a plowed field. So we are a praying church. I love that. Uh, let's just get the momentum going. Let's not slow down in Jesus' name. All right. So we had... Uh, we have a school of evangelism that takes place about twice a year here. It's called the Light and Life School of Evangelism. Yesterday, we did an outreach in the community of Eldecon. We, I mean, it was simple. We had uh, all the students after class because we were on our second to last class yesterday. The last one for this uh, semester is going to be next week. But after class, everybody gathered. We had a couple of the graduates from the previous class show up. And we just went out there with hot dogs, face paint, uh, bags of chips, water, and the gospel. We Not in that order. But we went out there, and we uh, we sent a team as we were prepping the ground. See, the, the church that merged with Life Church was a, a church that was in the inner city called Eldecon Worship Center or Lafayette Revival Center. And they had... Uh, property given to them in the middle of that city. So there was a, the homeowners association ended up donating $10,000 to build a basketball court. So we have legal right to go out there and just uh, spread the love of Jesus. So we went out there on that basketball court. We had tracks. Uh, it was about 65% Hispanic. The rest of it was African-American. I think there was like 0.11111% uh, Caucasian. And it just so happened to be a young man that when we were in that community, this guy was, he was knee high to a grasshopper. His name was Jared, but he was always showing up, no supervision, never had shoes on, was always dirty, but he just kept showing up to services and events, and we developed a relationship with him. Well, he come out there, three years old, where he came out there yesterday, but he was twice as tall as he used to be. I said, Jared. He said, hey, man, what's up? And I was like, you still out here? He's like, yeah, I still live with my grandma, this and that. And he went and hustled up a bunch of kids and drew them to the, and he said, he sent me his phone number. He said, tell me when you're going to be out here. He said, and I'm going to basically rally the troops. So we've got an evangelist on the ground out there, but we prayed for a couple of things that happened. We prayed that, because we knew there was a language barrier, so we, we prayed that God would send us an interpreter Why we'd be there. We prayed for divine encounters. We prayed that God would clear the skies, because as you all know, it was raining yesterday, and he did all three of those things plus more. Uh, we had some of the, the students of the evangelism school giving their giftings and talents. Paint, we probably painted over 50 kids' faces yesterday. Uh, we reached out. We went door-to-door -door doing ministry. We had the kids come. Uh, we would read the tracts to them, and they had a little girl who came up, and they had a group of kids, and one of them, the, most of them were Hispanic. There was a couple of black kids, but there was one kid who he did not understand English, and I said, well, who's going to tell him what I'm saying? This little girl raised her hand, so we sit, went, went through the track. Uh, page by page, reading off the pictures and stuff, and she told him every single thing that we said. She articulated to him in a, in a language that he can understand. We had about seven or eight kids raise their hands to receive salvation yesterday out of that group. Amen. Uh, me and Sam took a walk through the community. I'm telling you, we walk, We were walking towards this man, and as we were walking towards him, he was walking towards us with a cane. And I barely got the words out of my mouth that we were from Life, Life Church in Lafayette, and he said, well, God sent you to me. 
That's what he said. And we got to pray with him. He received salvation. He was having some health issues. I got to be completely honest. I was focused on getting this man saved. And I, I thought we had accomplished our, our goal whenever he received Christ. He was like ripe. He was ready. I mean, he was ready for the gospel. And I was like, man, we did it. And then Sam just boop. He said, well, man, why don't we pray for God to heal you? And I was like, I never even thought of that. And we did. So we prayed that God would heal him of kidney disease. Uh, we gave him the address to this church. He said he wanted to come. He, he got the live stream information. I hope he's watching, Mr. Larry. We bless you if you are in Jesus' name. Uh, we just had such a powerful encounter with the kids in that community. And I know that one thing that they were doing before we left, they were saying, please, y'all come back more. We'd like y'all to come. Why don't y'all come more? Why don't you do this? We met some of the, uh, the people that own some of the buildings in the community, and they were like, man, we need y'all out here. We, we need the church's presence in this place. And we had such a powerful time with those kids. We stayed out there four and a half hours. I think we gave away over 100 hot dogs, right? That means they're hungry. <laughs> I mean, hot dogs ain't that, uh, you know, when you can give away that many hot dogs, hot dogs ain't, they're okay. But I mean, like, but you think we were giving away filet mignon. They come, and but they would stay. They came to the basketball court. They were playing ring around Rosie on the chairs or whatever. What they were playing, uh, the chair game. I don't know. What is it? That's it. Yeah, musical chair. We had, yeah. I mean, it was just phenomenal, man. We got to go out there and just really engage this community. We've got some footage we're going to share next week so you guys can see. I mean, those kids were just such a blessing. I would say they're blessed, but they were such a blessing to us because God showed us the need that we have in different communities in, uh, in Lafayette, Louisiana, and surrounding places. So we have the Light and Life Evangelism School going on twice a year. Next week is going to be our last class for this semester. Uh, you can't come and graduate, but you can still come and attend if you have a heart to learn how to evangelize the lost. And if you have a burden to do this stuff, man, next year around February or March, we're going to launch another semester. And you guys, you know, if your heart is to reach the lost, become equipped to evangelize the community around you on a daily basis, please uh, prayerfully consider signing up for this class and join the Light and Life Evangelism team here at Life Church. Thank you, guys. And Pastor Tiger will be leading another outreach um, after that final class. So you guys will be informed on that. You'll be able to participate. There'll be more details coming uh, in the coming weeks. Also, a couple of more announcements. We do have, I want to remind you guys about the membership form in the lobby. Uh, you can visit the Welcome Center and sign up to be a member of Life Church. And what that means is uh, on November 20th, we're going to be doing a class before service and kind of give you information about what it means to be a member, what that looks like, give you a copy of the bylaws, some more information. You could take that home, process that, because it will be drinking like drinking out of a fire hydrant. So just saying that. But uh, so, yeah, you can check that out. Visit the uh, Welcome Center, sign up, and then take the class and then find out what that means. Also, next Sunday is Coffee and Fellowship. I was thinking this morning, that's a great opportunity to bring a friend. Like, you bring a friend, get them some free coffee, get all jacked up, talk to them about a bunch of stuff. So, you, wanna, you don't want to miss that. That starts at 945 next Sunday. It's going to be great. Be there and nowhere else. Also, save the date. Look at somebody and say, save the date. Save the date, save the date, save the date. December 10th is going to be our women's Christmas party. So that's all I got to say about that. We're going to be giving more information. That's over a month away, so we got time, you know, but save the date. Because December 10th is going to be our women's Christmas party. Uh, the location and the time will be given a little bit later. Um, my wife's looking at me like she wants to kill me. 
2 Corinthians 9 verse 6 through 8 says, Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Hey, here at Life Church, we've got four opportunities for you to partner with the Lord in giving. We've got boxes on the back wall. We've got a text to give feature. We've got a giving feature on our website, and we've also got a Life Church app. So we want to afford you guys every opportunity to partner with the Lord in giving. Also, I want to remind you guys, hey, you don't want to miss next week because next week we will have a testimony about groups. So we're going to share a little bit more about that next week. Uh, but you all know him. He needs no introduction. Pastor Bob. As hyped as you are now, somebody just followed that man like every other Sunday when they have coffee, and we're going to make a, a video of you, man, you know, just, <laughs> wow, oh, mm. great testimony, Pastor Tiger, great testimony, man, I love it, it's what I've been desiring for years to hear and see. You know, people actually just getting boots on the ground, doing the simplicity of sharing Jesus. Um, before, before I get into this message, I'd like to take a moment to pray as a group. Um, as you know, we have an election this coming week. Many, Some of you have probably maybe already voted, but uh, there's, something, there's something happening in our nation and as we were singing earlier um, those of you who come here know just the Holy Spirit begins to speak to me and show show me something and I began to see like a seismograph how many of you know what I'm talking about the measures uh, like if there's an earthquake or whatever it's just it's a needle that's moving it's measuring uh, vibration in the earth tremor tremor uh, trembling or tremors or whatever and I began to see that and I felt the Holy Spirit saying do you feel it um, I lived in California when I was a, a teenager and a kid uh, lived there a couple times and one time when we were there there was an earthquake south of us down towards LA but we felt enough of it where we lived up in the valley that when we walked out the next morning our my mom's and dad's fireplace it was one of those fire is like what do you call it a pass-through fireplace where it's like a fireplace on in two different rooms had actually separated like eight inches um and and yet most of the people slept right through it you know but there, i remember waking up in the middle of the night going what was that i felt this little tremor and the holy spirit kind of reminded me of that and said, do you feel it? And I, I knew he wasn't talking about a physical feeling, but there is, there is a trembling in the earth, and I felt that word trembling. Um, that God, and, and so I just felt impressed to pray for our nation and the elections this coming week. Look, I'm not going to talk about the media or whatever, but you know as well as I do, there are forces at work in our nation and throughout the world 
to form and bring about an agenda, but God is still on the throne. And he has a purpose in what he's going to do. And I just sense that he's saying, pray, can you feel it? There's like an undercurrent of something brewing. And, and it, I, I sense that this is going to bring some things to the surface. So can we take a minute to pray? Heavenly Father, you are the God above all gods. You sit upon the throne. You have not abdicated your position. And your word has gone forth and your word has decreed from the beginning of time through the end of it. God, there shall not be a change in it. And you founded this nation for a purpose. And yet, God, we became wiser than you and we rejected you. And now we have reaped the very fruit of the poisonous tree. But God, the tree that you have set before this nation and in your church is not a poisonous tree, but it's a tree of life. And Father, I just sense that you're saying there is an undercurrent of change. There's an interruption that's about to take place and the forces of good and evil are meeting on the field. But God, you will not be defeated. And so we simply pray, Lord God, that you would speak to the hearts of men and women. I realize that not every person in this nation believes in you or has uh, thinks through the lens of Scripture. And yet, God, you deal with the heart, and then you speak to the mind. And through it, Lord God, you are able to raise up kings and you are able to bring them down. You are able to raise up legislators and you will bring them down. You are able to raise up governors and judges and congress officials and bring them down. And so God, you have put that power within the the voting booth of of our nation and I pray that you would move upon the hearts of people. I don't care if, it, if it's in a state that's declared blue or a state that's declared red or a state that's declared purple, God, people are people, and they will flip the switch, they will punch the ballot, they will do whatever it is. And I just pray that you would speak to their hearts, open their eyes, and give them understanding that they, their vote counts and that it is imperative, Lord God, that our nation seek you and your righteousness and your principles, Lord God. You work through kings, you work through legislators, you work through governments. But God, the power in this nation is in the hands of the people. And let the voice of the people be heard. For your glory and for your kingdom purposes, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm reading from 2 Samuel beginning with chapter 23. And I mentioned this last week that as I ministered last week that God had begun to speak to me about this principle. And so we're going to read several verses of scripture here. It says, Three of the thirty chief men went down at harvest time and came to David at the king of Adullam, at the cave of Adullam. And the troop of the Philistines encamped in the valley of Raphim. And David was then in the stronghold, and the garrison of the Philistines was then in, in Bethlehem. 
let me just kind of point this out. What's happening here is that David and his mighty men of valor, which the Bible says earlier, were all the distraught, all the depressed, all the distressed, came to David, and yet in that time, God used them and turned their hearts, and they are later known in the scriptures as David's mighty men of valor. So people who were distressed, people who were just distraught, people who were just just wrung out by the things in, of life or whatever, came to David when he was in a cave, even though he had been anointed to be king or earlier, he, they came to him and God did a transformation process. So if you're distraught, you're distressed, you're depressed, you're in a bad place, guess what? You're in a good place for God to be able to turn your life and completely turn it around, okay? And so David was in his stronghold, but the Philistines had basically cut him off and, and, and surrounded the city of Bethlehem. And this is where David finds himself, okay? So then it goes on, it says, And David said with longing, Oh, that someone would give me a drink of water from the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. Now, this is not just any drink of water. It's not just by any well. He's longing for a drink of water from a specific well. I don't know what it was, but it must have had a unique uh, taste or flavor or, I mean, how many of you have tasted bad water before? Uh, I remember years ago, we lived uh, uh, in, in central Florida, and the water that came out of those faucets smelled like rotten eggs. And I remember up in Indiana, um, we were in a pastor's house, and when they would turn on the water faucets, it was like sulfur. The smell just filled the whole house. And they would take these pills and dump it in like their iced tea or whatever it is they were making to try and get this taste out of the water. And it was even worse when you turn the hot water on like to take a shower. It was just like increasing that smell. And believe me, I, I didn't want to drink anything. That's before they had bottled water. That's before they, I guess anybody figured out people would pay for water that was in a bottle. You know, because everybody had water back then out of a faucet. <clears throat> so I don't know what it was. So I've tasted bad water, and I've tasted mediocre water. You taste it. You know, I've gone to restaurants where I order water, and when I taste it, I'm going, hmm. When I was in the restaurant business, the first thing I did is I put like a $10,000 water filtration system in so that the soft drinks tasted phenomenal. And people would notice the difference. They would say, man, these soft drinks taste better than the ones at this restaurant, this restaurant, and this restaurant. Why? Because the water source was the main thing. So David is longing for water from <coughs> a well in Bethlehem, he says, which is by the gate. And if you understand that, the gate is the entrance to a city or a town, or it may have more than one gate, but he's talking about a specific gate. It says, so... The three mighty men broke through the camp of the Philistines, drew water from the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate, and took it and brought it to David. 
Nevertheless, he would not drink it, but poured it out on the ground. And verse 17 says, for he said, far be it from me, O Lord, that I should do this. Is this not the blood of the men who went in jeopardy of their lives? Therefore, he would not drink it. And these things were done by the three mighty men. And, and the message is simply breaking out to a breakthrough. Now, you may think that's the same thing, but I'm going to show you that it's not. It's two different things. Because in, in religious world, ministers and evangelists and people love to always use the word breakthrough, breakthrough, breakthrough. But you got to break out to get to a breakthrough, and I hope to show you that. But I remember years ago reading this, and I, I've used this illustration for many things before. I want to read this to you. It comes from a book by Daniel Taylor, Letters to My Children. And he wrote this, and I'm going to put it on the screen so you follow along. He says, when I was a child, uh, I was like, the most, like most children, afraid of things that go bump in the night. But I told myself, for no good reason, that monsters which lie under the bed cannot break through blankets and sheets. And by the time I was a teenager, I wasn't afraid of what might live under my bed. I was afraid of what my friends might have to say about the way I combed my hair. He said, what do I fear now? He said, I am afraid, to put it simply, of living a life that doesn't matter. I am afraid of living the world, leaving the world exactly as I found it, no different from my having been there. Wow. I mean... I think it's because people want their lives to count for something. I remember many years ago, many years ago, I lived in the north part of the state pastoring up there, and there was a gentleman in Alexandria area who was pushing a book called The Search for Significance. And man, I mean, they, it was like a room. They were expecting 30 or 40 pastors to show up, and they're like 100 and something showed up. And, and it wasn't that they were looking for a resource per se. I think those pastors, many of them from small country churches or whatever, wanted to feel significant. They, they wanted to experience and know that their life was counting for something. How many of you want your life to count for something? That at the end of this time, when you go home to be with God, to the Lord, that you will, you will look back not with regret, but say, my life counted for something. It may never have been in the limelight. It may have never been, you know, on Central Avenue in New York City or whatever. It never, but it counted for something. It made a difference in some way. And I remember as a youth pastor, I remember this story and I've used it again several times because it really points it out in a humorous way. Um, there was a little elderly spinster. Uh, some of you young people may not know what that means, but basically she was unmarried and elderly in her age and, and, and she lived in a small Midwestern community and she had the distinction of being the oldest resident from that town and one day, as the oldest residents usually do, they die. And she died, and the local newspaper there wanted to 
do something. They want to put a picture and a little caption, a little story, a little bio or something about the lady. And, and her name was Miss Jones. Everybody knew her as uh, Miss Jones, the widow, Miss, I mean, the elderly spinster Miss Jones. And so the more he thought about it, the more he became aware of the fact that even though Miss Jones had lived all her life there, she had never done anything wrong. She had never spent a night in jail being drunk. She had, she had, she'd never upset anybody. She'd never done anything that was noteworthy in good or bad. And so while he was thinking about it, the editor um, went to have morning coffee at the local diner and um, ran into the guy that was in charge, that owned the, the place that made the tombstones for everybody in that town, you know, when they would die off. So they got up in conversation and saying, I would like to write up something in the paper and put something about her, but I, I can't think of anything noteworthy to, to attribute to her in the paper. And the guy that was doing the carving on the tombstone said, I can't think of anything. Usually there's a little saying or something like that, and you know, the d date and of birth and death, but he says, all I got is birth and death. He said, I can't think of anything either. He said, man, you're the newspaper guy. Dig into it, and if you find something, call me so I can inscribe something on her tombstone instead of born and died. And so he went back to the, his newspaper office and said, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to delegate this job. And the first reporter I see is going to be the one who gets this job. He said, because I'm tired of dealing, trying to figure out what to do. And so the first reporter that he sees is the guy that writes the articles about the local sports teams. The sports writer. So he says, look. You need to come up with a caption or a bio or a story about the elderly Miss Jones, and I need it by the end of the day. He's like, I write sports, man. I, what do I know? He said, you're a reporter. Write something and have it on my desk by 4.30 this afternoon. So um, the, the guy goes to his office, and he comes back, and he slips a piece of paper on the desk, and he turns around quickly and walks out. And the editor picks up the paper, and here's what it said. And they say today that if you drive through that town, this is what's engraved on her tombstone. Here lie the bones of Nancy Jones, for her life held no terrors. She lived an old maid. She died an old maid. No hits, no runs, no errors. <laughs> I mean, he did the job, didn't he? <laughs> but, I mean, if you read that, man, you know, you're thinking, they didn't do anything. You know, you want your life to be of significance. So I, I want to look at a few things in this passage of Scripture that we looked at and talk about how to break out to a breakthrough, okay? There's some ingredients here. And the first one deals with the timing. The timing. The timing at this time in David's life, uh, Saul's defeat and death. King Saul uh, was defeated. He died. Uh, one kingdom had been defeated. One kingdom was rising up. And what I've learned is that in my lifetime, 
and I've seen it in other people's lives, that the time that a breakout usually occurs is, will have something to do with a personal defeat where you've, you've, you've hit the wall, something's happened and in your life or you've hit bottom or wherever it is that you've hit. I mean, it, the, I call it a personal defeat, okay? Or a personal time of discouragement. You know, people say, well, I'm a man of faith or I'm a woman of faith. Good for you. But I guarantee you there have been times that you've walked through the valley of discouragement for one reason or another. And if you say you haven't, you're a liar. Anybody who's never been discouraged, raise your hand. Thank you very much. (laughs) Another time is a time of turmoil. You're not discouraged, but it's like everything. I mean, everything. Say everything. 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 I mean, it's not like everything. It's like everything I touch, everything I do. I just look at it and something goes wrong. It's just like, what's going on? It's a time of of turmoil in your life. Another one is a time of personal upheaval. What do I mean by that? I mean, I'm saying that everything was rocking along great, but all of a sudden there's an inner discomfort. There's something like stirring. You can't put your finger on it. You can't, you can't, you, you don't even know how to voice it or, or tell anyone, you know, and, and honestly, sometimes like that, you, you turn to your spouse and you bark at them, you know, like, you know, like, what's wrong with you? Nothing. Just leave me alone. You know, you know what it is. It's, it, it, there's just this, oh, I know none of you've never done that. <laughs> you say, well, I can't believe pastor would ever do that. We've all done that, you know, because we're, we're, we're just stirred when we, we're uncomfortable we're unsettled and we can't figure out what it is you, you kind of know god's kind of in it but you're thinking at the same time maybe it's the devil you know or maybe it's just flesh or whatever if you're in if that describes you or anything similar to that then you are ready to experience a breakout okay so there's timing the second thing deals with the place, the place. It, and here's the key. It is where you are at the present. It is not somewhere in the future. David found himself in a cave in Adullam. David wanted to be sitting on the throne in Jerusalem, reigning as king, but he found himself in a cave. It's not the where I want to be, it's where I presently am. And in the three, it says three men decided at that moment and they drew a line of no return from that moment. And until we come to a place where we, dis, we decide that we've had enough or we say enough is enough, we usually won't do anything. 
They say there are a few things that will cause a person to change from where they are and to break out. And one of the key things that I've seen over time is when the pain of change is less than the pain of staying where you are, that's when a breakout will come. When you finally say, I can't take this anymore. You're willing to say, whatever it takes, I will get back to that place. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? I'm just telling you, until we get there, there has to be a place of resolve. There has to be a place. A place where we say, I'm drawing the line. This is it. I'm not going. We draw the line, step across, and say, I'm not going back. I'm not looking back. I'm not shrinking back. I don't know where it's going to lead me, but I have to do this. The third thing is there is a desire for a breaking out. There has to be a desire. You can look at somebody that's stuck. Has anybody ever just been stuck in, your, in where you're at? I mean, you're just stuck. It's like a rut. You know, I don't like ruts. I heard years ago that a rut is nothing but a grave with both ends kicked out. Yeah. Years ago, before they had the highway that would go from the United States up to Alaska, you'd cut through the Yukon area. They, it, before it was paved, it was a gravel, dirt, muddy high road. And there was a sign before you'd go up there, it would say, Pick which rut you want to drive in because you'll be in it for the next 900 miles. It's true. And, and, and a lot of people are there. The Bible says that David longed for the taste of water from the well by the gate in Bethlehem. What did it say? Oh, how I would love some of that good water from the well by the gate in Bethlehem. The, the word love or is the word or phrase to long. He longed for, okay? It means to wish for, covet greatly, desire, lust after. In other words, he was just like, there won't be any other water that will satisfy. What I long for at this place in my life. It means to long for with every ounce of your being. David remarked longing, longingly to his men. And it came from remembering better days or hearing of better days in someone else's life. There have been times in my own walk I've, my, with the Lord over 50 years that I've said to myself, how did I get here? What caused me to be in this place? I remember many years ago, I was pastoring outside of West Monroe in a little community called Luna. There was a flashing light. There was an elementary school and one little convenience store, mom and pop convenience store, and, and probably eight or 10 churches. It, it's outside West Monroe in the country. 
And I remember one night with my best friend who's gone to be with the Lord now. We were sitting outside. We'd spent the day together. Our families had spent the day together. And we were sitting outside. Man, when you're in the country and there are no street lights, can I tell you, you could see every star in the heavens on a clear night. And it was a cool, crisp night. And I remember we sat down on the parking curbs right there, you know, in the parking lot of the church. And I began to talk about what God had done, how my wife and I, in 1985, left a church where we were very well taken care of on staff. And we left, and God spoke to us about starting a church in a community 28 miles away where there was no gospel witness at all. And, and, and I talked about how we went out there, and we started in a home, and, and uh, it grew into a church. And, but God had told me for the first two years, you're not to take a salary for two years. And I said, God, how do I... How do, I, how do I do this? How do I pro provide for my family? I've got children and my wife. And, and, and how, how am I not supposed to get a job or something? Because where I learned math, a hundred times nothing's nothing. And when I had met with the committee to decide whether or not we could go and start a church out there, they, they said, well, what, the way we usually do it is take 70% of whatever comes in the offering. I said, well, if we get a building, we got to pay rent, and then we got to pay utilities and insurance. And I said, I will not take any income until the bills of the church are met. And, and, and so I said, how, God, am I supposed to do this? And I, I told my friend, I went through story after story, how for two full years, almost to the day, I didn't take any job, and how God provided for my family. And we sat there, and I remember him, Mike, looking at me and going, wow, I wish I could live like that. And all of a sudden, it hit me. I don't know if God called me to do that today, if I could. And my friend Mike, his wife came out and said, we got to go. Nani and Mike and the kids got in the car and left. And My wife says, it's cold out here. Let's go inside. I said, I'll be in in a minute. And I sat on the curb out in that little country looking at the stars in the sky. Felt like Abraham, where God took him out and said, count the stars. Your seed will be like the stars. And I remember crying and saying, God, I'm so ashamed. I don't know that I could follow that call that I did so many years ago. I don't know that I would have the faith to trust you like I did before. I said, God, Whatever it takes, get me back to that place. I'm just going to warn you, that's a dangerous prayer. Because God keeps a good record of prayers. And it came from remembering days where God did miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. Or maybe you've heard other people tell stories and you go, 
I wish my life could be like that. Until we come to a place of resolve where we say, no more someone else's story. You will not break out. See, the devil would have us be so busy and stay so confused that we never stop to realize what our present situation is or to remember when there was a better time in life. And you and I must have the desire that causes us to rise up on the inside of ourselves and declare, I was not created to live in defeat. Oh, how I long for the living water that comes from the stream that bubbles up from the well of salvation. Lord, I can't live without that fresh spring of water in my life. I will not live anymore without it. That has everything that to do with the degree of desire you possess. David desired water. Water is simple. And yet that water came from a specific well, from a specific location. And you know what? Water may be simple, but in, it, was, it had value for, to David. And I'm just telling you, the degree of desire equals the value we put on something. The value. David's men loved him so much that they counted their lives worthy, a worthy price to pay for to get the water that their commander and king so desired. They could have made every argument against it, said there's no way we can get out, there's no way we can get in, there's no way we get back, we're gonna get caught, strategy. I mean, these are military men, these are mighty men of valor, but there was, there was not one thing that they held back to get that water for David. And if you or I desire a breakout in our lives, there is nothing that can hold you back from God. You have that decision. I can't make it for you. I can't lay hands on you. I can't impart it to you. I can't do it. It has to rise up on the inside that you go, oh, that I long for the time when God would move in my life, when God would speak to me, when God would burn his desire in me, when I would long for the minutes and the time and the hour to be with him, God, I desire that you must determine that it is worth everything to get it general Douglas MacArthur he said it is fatal to enter any war without the will to win it makes sense why would you enter a war why would you go up against an enemy? Why would you risk men's lives? Why would you do that if you're not willing to win it? And that brings me to the next ingredient for this breakout to take place. 
and that is the object of desire. Verse 15 says this, David remarked longingly to his men, oh, how I would love some of that good water from the well in Bethlehem by the gate. David longed for water. It's a requirement for life, but not just any water. It was water from the well, from that gate, near the gate in Bethlehem. Bethlehem means house of bread. And Jesus told the woman at the well in Samaria in John 4 and 10, he said, if you only knew the gift of God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you the living water. And that same statement is in place today in 2022 for every single one of you and for me. If you only knew, God says, if you only knew the things I long for, to give you, if you only knew the desire I have, if you only knew, we, we quote the scripture, you are, we have no idea the things that God has in store for us. Well, then how about press in and let's find out. But we sit around like somehow God's going to drop his blessings on us like ripe peaches out of a tree. He said, if you only knew, you got to have that longing. You would ask, and he said, he said, I'd give you the living water. Years ago, author and minister Larry Crabb wrote in Leadership Magazine, he said, the core problem is not that we are too passionate about bad things, but that we are not passionate enough about good things. You know, I heard a minister one time and he made, he made the comment and he, he, he talked about how there had been three or four times in his life where, where I'm just telling you like it is, can we be honest here? He said he, he was in a, pretty well-established church, made, you know, position, everything else, and, and uh, had influence in the community, and he said he became the target of some women who were coming on to him trying to seduce him. And his answer, I remember, I'll never forget it, he looked at one woman one time, and, and if, he said, why would I want to He said, why would I want a Volkswagen when I got a Cadillac at home? Now, they didn't have all them fancy cars we got now, you know. I mean, we got brands of cars now that they didn't even have. But he said, why? Why would? And she said, well, I never. And he said, and you never will. Because that that's the way he looked at it. I mean, in his mind, he understood. He said, I am too obsessed with my love and relationship for my spouse to be even enticed by you. Now, understand this. I've heard ministers and others, leaders say things like that before, and they let their guard down. But in this regard, this is what I'm talking about here. We, we need to be more passionate about the things of God. You can't walk evenly down the middle of the street and think you're not going to get hit one way or another. Either get right or get left. God said, I'd rather have you hot or cold, not lukewarm. Okay? 
Now there's a price for breaking out because my daddy and mama always taught me anything of value, anything worth anything has a price tag to it. I love it when people go, free. I'm like, there ain't nothing free. There's a catch. There's something to it. When I see free, somebody says, would you like a free vacation? Would you like a free? I said, what's the catch? Oh, nothing. What's the catch? Okay, just give it to me. Well, you got to go to this meeting for it. There's the catch. That's not free. They said, well, it doesn't cost you anything. I said, my time's more valuable than anything you can offer me. I put a value on my time. Don't tell me it doesn't cost anything. There's always a cost to it. Verse 16 says, and the three mighty men broke, watch this, broke through the host of Philistines and drew water out of the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate and took it and brought it to David. Now, if you don't stop and think about this, you miss something that's important. They had to leave their area of comfort, three men. They had to break through the Philistines' line because they had surrounded Bethlehem. So they had to break through, then go to the well that may have been guarded or not, we don't know, but the chance of being caught was pretty good. They drew water, but then they had to break back through the Philistines line to be able to bring the water to David. So it wasn't just a one-way breakthrough. It's like when we get there, we got to get back out. It wasn't like, well, you're already in town. We'll let you just go. So all in all, they broke through three times. They literally broke through getting out of where they were, then they broke through into the city, then they broke back through the lines to get back to David. And my point in that is simply this, that breaking out will always require effort on our part. Amen. Always. In David's situation, the enemy had defeated Saul and killed him. They set an army around Bethlehem and other key places. And David was now the new king, but he couldn't even rightfully return home, his rightful place to live. And the enemy of your soul and my soul knows that you have been destined to be a child of the king. And yes, there may have been some battles and you may have even lost a few. And there have been times of discouragement and there have been times of turmoil. But those things do not dictate nor determine the final outcome that God has decreed over your life and over my life. But the devil will do everything that he can to keep you out of God's house of bread. He will do everything he can to forbid you from entering in to what God's house has. God's place of peace and joy. God's place of victory and achievement. God's very presence of his life. Arch Ward, many years ago, is a Chicago sports editor and he's the founder of the Golden Gloves of America Tournament of Champions. He said this, he said, the most difficult part of getting to the top of the ladder is getting through the crowd at the bottom. Everybody says they want to. But how much do you want to? Are you willing to break out? 
because that brings me to the next point, and that is not everyone wants it. They may say so, but that doesn't mean they do. Look at this verse again in verse 16. So the three mighty men broke through the Philistines' lines. Now we're told earlier in the scripture that there were 30 mighty or elite men of valor that surrounded David, 30. It's like his inner circle. Okay, there was many men of war, warriors who were good at using swords, spears, uh, archery, whatever, but there was like 30 in that inner circle, okay? And when David made this, this cry of longing, I, I believe that all 30 of those men in that inner circle surely had to hear what David's longing was. But only three responded. Only three. And it was not a command by David. It was a longing, a wish, a desire. But these three men said, we're not commanded to do it, but they took the initiative to put it into motion. You remember what Jesus told the woman at Samaria? Again, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you the living water. I meet people every day that have some desire, but the desire or the desire, however you want to put it, to go after God with all that is within them is not there. You know what I've learned? People want somehow for someone to lay hands on them and impart a desire into them. You can sing about the desire. You can talk about having a desire. You can have someone, you say, what do you need prayer? I just pray that God, that I would have a desire for God. They could pray that you'd have a desire for God, but can I tell you, until you decide and you resolve within yourself that I am going to do whatever it takes, no matter who comes around me, nobody's going to stop me. Nobody's going to talk me out of it. I am going to go after God with everything that is in me it doesn't matter if whoever lays hands on you pulls the rug out from under you speaks in tongues prophesies or whatever it doesn't matter I'm just telling you you say oh God we pray for revival the old song says, Lord, send a revival, but let it begin with me. I can't pray for revival for you. I can pray for revival for you. But guess what? You're going to have to decide what price is it worth. What's the value? What's the cost that you're willing to pay? What is it you're going to have to change in your life? What is it in your schedule you're going to have to eliminate or move away? What is it you're going to have to add? What is it you're going to have to do? What is it you're going to, what is it? Because until you get to the place of longing and resolve, it said, oh, that I long for. Don't ask me to come pray for you. When I see you longing, 
your tongue hanging out. And you're like, God, I can't live another day without your presence, Lord. You know what? You can have someone pray for you and lay hands. But when you get to that place, God will meet you right there. And that's what you need. You need the Holy Ghost to do it. And I believe that's getting ready to happen in just a few minutes in some of you. I'm just telling you. Jeremiah 29, verse 13 and 14. You will seek me and find me when you seek me. What? With all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will do what? And will bring you back from captivity. You know what that captivity is? You're captive to the things of this world. You're captive to bad habits. You're captive to bad thinking. You're captive to all kinds of things. He says, when you seek me with all your heart, then you will find me and I will bring you back. See, there's an effort on my part. I got to go to the ends of the earth if that's what it takes. But God will be there. And when he do, when I meet up with God, God said, I'm here child and he'll take me and bring me to that place that I'm looking for. And that brings us to the point of when a breakout leads to a breakthrough. Because the breakout is not just a breakout. It's to break through. You say, well, uh, isn't it the same thing? See, everything we've talked about is breaking out, breaking out from the domination of bad habits, breaking out from the rule of improper thinking, breaking out from the control of fear and anxiety, breaking out from wrong attitudes. But the end result is the breakout leads to a breakthrough. And you say, well, what's the difference between a breakout and a breakthrough? I'm glad you asked. Breaking out is equal to action. It's, it requires action. Breakthrough determines is position. I've got, to, I've got to break out. There has to be action to bring me to the place that I'm longing for. The place that I long for in God. That's what God's wanting to do. He said, I got a church of people who sit around and go, Lord, we want this. And Lord, we want this. And Lord, we want this. As if it's all up to him. But he said, when you seek me with all your heart. And when you come after me with all your heart. I will be found of you. And I will bring you. I will bring you out of that place of captivity and he's not bringing us out of captivity to another place of captivity he's bringing us out of captivity into a place of liberty and he's gonna set us free so we think some miracle evangelist is going to lay hands on it. And I'm not downplaying any of that. Get, don't get me wrong. But we live in a society where we want instant results with little effort. A breakthrough is the result 
of our actions in breaking out of the place that we're at. In fact, go to 2 Samuel, not now, but later, 2 Samuel 23, verse 18 through 23, and you can read about some of the accounts of those 30 mighty men, elite men that surrounded David. There was one named Abishai. He, he once used his spear and he killed 300 enemy warriors in one single battle. There was another one named Benaniah, and he did many heroic deeds. And you can read the rest of the chapter as it describes the heroic deeds of those 30 mighty men, those elite men that surrounded David. But in every single description, it ends with, though he was not one of the three. <laughs> Kill 300, one spear, one battle. Surely he ought to be at the top of the list, but he was not one of the three. All the heroic deeds listed, but he was not one of the three. He was not one of the three. He was not one of the three. He was one. They did great things, but no others were given the distinction of the three that broke out to a breakthrough. And you say, why? I believe the verse is hid in verse 16 that we read earlier. Look what it says. And David refused to drink it. Instead, he poured it out before the Lord. Now, I don't know about you. If I was one of the three, put my life on the line, tiger. <laughs> I break out. Me and my buddies, and you know, you know, you and me and Josh, we go break out and we go down through Bethlehem. We break through the lines and I got two on the lookout and somebody's pulling up water. We're pouring it into a container. We got that thing. Now we got to do it again. Then we got to break through the lines surrounding the caves where we are. And we get there and we go before the king and we go... King, we're so excited. I mean, all the way back, we'd be, be going, wait till he sees it. Wait, wait till we tell him where this water came from. Man, he's going to probably do a Holy Ghost jig. <laughs> you know, we, we're, we're living this thing in our minds, right? And we go, King David, oh, worthy king, we've brought you water from the well by the gate in Bethlehem. Here it is. It's just for you. The three of us went and got it for you. Oh, you deserve it. And he goes, you did this for me? I can't drink it. I'd be going, give me that bottle. <laughs> I didn't even taste it. All I heard was how you want. Why did you do that? Why did you not drink it? You said you longed for it. But look what he says. But he poured it out before the Lord. The actions of these three men was not to be consumed upon their glory. God received honor for it through David's actions. 
The other 30 men are spoken of in heroic deeds, and the fame was brought to them. But this deed, these three men brought glory to God by their actions. David chose to pour the water out as an offering to God rather than consuming it upon himself. And verse 17 says, the Lord forbid that I should drink this, he exclaimed. The wa this water is as the precious blood of these men who risked their lives to bring it to me. So David did not drink it. The cost of the water was so great that only God was worthy of the honor of the action that those three men did. And when you go after God with everything in you, breaking out from the status quo, breaking free from the constant state of defeat, and breaking free from the never-ending life of being conquered and downtrodden, not only will you break through to a new position in your life and walk with God, God will receive all the glory and all the honor from it. Jesus said, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. The place of breakthrough is so much beyond anything that you or I could even begin to imagine. For the scripture says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him and that's not over in the sweet by and by that's right here in the nasty now and now God will walk with you through the valleys he'll walk with you through the furnace he'll walk with you through the floods he'll be there for you and he will show the strength of his right arm on your behalf because you have resolved God I want you and nothing else but you will do Let me close. In Thessalonica, Greece, stands the grand old church of St. Demetrius. There's a picture up there on the screen for you. At one period in history, the church was taken over by Muslims. And they plastered over the old Christian paintings that were on the wall. You can see some of them there. Well, you say, well, if they plastered them over, how can I see it? I'll tell you. Because many years after the Muslims left, it became a Christian church again. But by that time, the generations that had preceded after when the Muslims took over they had forgotten that there had been paintings, beautiful, beautiful paintings, sculptures on the walls covered over by the plaster because so much time had gone by. But the church caught fire and the fire cracked the plaster that was covering over all of these incredible paintings that had been hid for centuries. And the fire, the heat of it, cracked the old plaster and it began to fall. And the old Christian pictures were revealed when they began cleaning up the cracked plaster.
And so with that understanding, they began to very carefully go in and remove what was left on the walls. And when they did, these incredible pictures and paintings and sculptures of this old church were revealed. It took the fire to remove that whole old hard plaster that was revealing the treasure that was underneath. And I felt all week long that the Holy Spirit is wanting to send the fire to come on your life for a breakthrough to begin starting today. You say, well, pastor, you just said I don't need anybody. I didn't say I was going to lay hands on you. You have to come to the place where you're saying, God, send the fire. Send the fire into my life. Send the fire into my life. Let it purge everything in my life. Let it burn away everything. Let it crack. Let it break through. Let it reveal everything that's not supposed to be there. And God, I will work with you. I will pull that stuff off. I will remove all of that stuff. But God, bring the change necessary to bring forth the glory of your life through my life that others might see. It. I'm tired of people not seeing Christ in me. I'm tired of them not seeing the power of God in my life. I know that you're real. I love you, God, but I want others to see it. God, would you send the fire of your spirit upon my life today? See, some of you have cried out for God to bring a change in your life. Some of you have asked what this turmoil is in your life that you're experiencing. I'm here to tell you it's Jesus and he's doing a work inside of you and he's stirring you to move from where you are to the place where you can be and that is a breakthrough and that's how it begins and if God is speaking to you and you're ready to make that resolve you're ready to draw the line and you're ready to say God I don't want to just talk about it I don't want to just feast on what used to be I don't want God I remember when and I know that that wasn't even the tip of the iceberg there's so much more I'm going to ask you to get out of your seats right now and just come find a place across the front you can stand you can kneel you can lay down I don't care it's between you and God you and God right now you're pouring your heart out you're saying God that's me I'm ready for a breakthrough God I I can't, I can't do this anymore. I, I can't stay like this anymore. I've got to break through, God. You can only do it, Lord. Send your fire. Let your fire light upon my life. Let your fire light upon my life. God, this is the day. It's going to be written down in the very history books of heaven. Come on up. Come on up. Let the folks coming behind you find a place. Come on. Push on through if you have to. That's fine. It's between you and God. 
It's between you and God. Come on. I don't care how young you are. I don't care how old you are. I don't care how long you've known God. You have, or if you're brand new in God, it doesn't matter. He doesn't look at that. You might say, I'm not worthy. None of us are worthy. He's looking at you and saying, are you ready? That's what he wants to know. Are you ready? God said, if you will come after me with all your heart, I will be found. And I will bring you out of the realm of captivity, out of the realm of the same old, same old, over and over and over. And I'll bring you into that which is fresh and new. Come on, come on church. Let's cry out to God right now. Those of you that are still sitting back there, would you pray for these that are up here right now? Just pray for them right now. Pray as God leads you to pray for them right now. Fire of God, come and breathe fresh on us. Burn away the hardness of our heart. Burn away the old captivity of our lives. Burn it away, Lord God. God, we remember when you first came. We remember the newness and the freshness of our life. We remember what that was like, God. And now, Lord, here I am today saying I can't live on yesterday's manna. I can't live on yesterday's experience. I can't live on that which was. But God, I need you now. What was good in 1960 or 1970, 1980, 90, 2000, 2010, 2020. What was good last week is not going to feed me this week, God. I need you to help me break out to a breakthrough in you. I know this is your desire. I know this is your will. God, I express to you, this too is my desire. I put everything on the altar. I put my life on the altar. I put everything. I put everything I own on the altar. I put my time on the altar. I put everything on the altar before you, God. I put everything before you. God, there's nothing sacred that I'm holding back. God, you are the only sacred thing in my life. I will not hold back. I will not withhold from you anything. God, it's you. It's you. It's you that I long for. There's somebody watching by way of the internet right now in your house, wherever you are. You may be driving down the road in your car and the tears of God are welling up inside of you. There's a push on the inside. Pull off the side of the road. Put the car in park and begin to call out on God and he will meet you wherever you are right now. Wherever you are right now, right now, right now, right now. With joy shall you draw waters from the wells of salvation. That's what God's word says. Joy, joy, joy you'll draw from the wells of salvation. There may be drought across the land. There may be drought across the nations, but there is no drought 
from the well of salvation. It hasn't run dry and it's not going to be depleted. God is the author of that well right now. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Some of you have been praying for your kids, your adult kids, and you said, Lord, I'll do anything to, to get them back. And God's been dealing with you about mending fences. And you're saying, no, I didn't do anything wrong. I'm waiting for them to call me. Then sit and wait. I said, a breakthrough requires a breakout. And the breakout is the action. You say, I've done that so many times. Can I tell you, you do not know what God has been doing on the other end. He's waiting to see if you're going to do whatever it takes to break out to that breakthrough. You say, I've been hurt too many times before. How many times? Were you hurt more than Christ was when he hung on the cross for you and me? No. No. Come on. Come on. A few more minutes. Come on. Come on. So I throw my head praise you again and again it's all that i have is a hallelujah hallelujah and i know it's not much but nothing else can forgive for singing hallelujah hallelujah so I throw my hands praise you again and again come on so that I have his hallelujah
know it's not much Nothing else fit for a king Except for a heart singing hallelujah Hallelujah I throw my hands and praise you again and again so that I have is a hallelujah, hallelujah. And I know it's not much, but I'm nothing else fit for a king except for a heart singing hallelujah. Come on, my soul, don't you get shy on me. Lift up your soul, because you've got a lion inside of those lungs. Get up and praise the Lord. Come on, my soul, don't you get shy on me. Lift up your soul. You've got a lion inside of those lungs. Get up and praise the Lord. Come on, my soul. Don't you get shy on me. Lift up your soul. Because you've got a lion inside of those lungs. Get up. Don't you get shy on me, lift up your song. You've got a lion inside of those lungs. Get up and praise the Lord. So I throw up my hands, praise you again and again. So that I have his heart.
Yes, Lord. The Spirit said that the, a house divided cannot stand. As we sing in that last part of that song, I feel impressed to tell husbands and wives. I, I'm going to rephrase that. If you're married, husband and wife, and there's been division in the house, there's been unrest, when you get home, you need to stand in the middle of your home and you need to look at one another in unity together and you need to take authority over that spirit of divisiveness and get the pride out of the way and make a determination from this day forward in my house we are going to serve God we're going forward after God now somebody might say but I'm not married here's what I felt checked when I first said that if you're a single parent and you have children you get your kids because I had a picture in my mind of my mama and us seven kids in the house and how we would stand in the living room den area of our house and she would have us all hold hands every single day and begin to pray we'd have to pray together I remember as I got old I don't hold my sister's hand brother's hand but she'd say grab hold of it we're gonna pray man mama meant business when she said that but I just saw that in my mind and I thought if you don't have if there's not a husband and wife in the home but you have children and there's a spirit of divisiveness in the house unrest and you get them together and you, you unite together in, in prayer and take authority over that thing and throw it out. I mean, take it to the back door, kick it out. It doesn't belong. Get rid of it and don't allow it back. I, I just believe God's in that. I believe God's in that. Because you're not going to get a break out to a breakthrough if you're divided, if, you're, if there's division, if there's unrest and unruliness and things going on. You've got to take authority over it. And you've got to remember to break out is action to bring you to a breakthrough, which is a place. You're wanting peace. You're wanting the presence of God. You're wanting all that. Then you've got to take action. And I'm just making, I can't command you, but I'm suggesting strongly by the Holy Ghost that you do that. Amen. Amen. I believe today's a life-changing day. I just believe God. Whew. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I don't want to dismiss. If you have to go, you can go. Worship team, thank you so much for providing this moment. Father, we bless you and we praise you. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for your mercy. 
in your compassions that fail not. Day after day, they're fresh and new every single morning. Pray, God, we pray for all the small groups that are meeting. God, we just pray that God, you would show up powerfully in those meetings and mighty in those meetings and meet the needs of every single person there. That God, let it be centered upon you. And Father, we again pray for our nation this week. Thank God that people with right thinking and, and, and would not shrink back from their, their responsibility would vote and speak out for doing so. And that God, you would begin to write things, write things up, write, write like a ship that's less, leaning to one side, just listing to one side. God, you begin to write that thing. And we, we give you the praise and the glory and the honor for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen and amen.